0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Living with Hospice. My name is Mitch Ware. I'm privileged to be your host today. You may hear some strange sounds in the background. That would be uh, the crew that's here. That's uh, Cosmo, the big dog, Chloe, the uh, rare orange female kitty, and of course boss cat Charlie, who's curled up on the counter sleeping and making sure that I don't mess this up too much. This uh, episode We're going to get into something I find really interesting. It's uh, really near and dear to my heart, and that is how and when do we start grieving? It's safe to say that we all feel lost from time to time in our lives. Most of the time, it's something not so important, and well, we just deal with it and move on. Sometimes, however, it's really significant, and in some cases, we never get over it. How come? Well, our bodies are hardwired to grieve loss. And if we don't allow that process, well, we often mess up our own emotional well-being. And we pay those unforeseen consequences. When we received news that our 24-year-old son had a terminal form of brain cancer, I asked him, how do you want to deal with this? Without any hesitation, he said, well, let's fight it, Dad. With that, he and I put on our war faces and started combat. We changed our mentality into that of a a warrior. Our mantra was, nobody's dying today. We're going to fight this fight. We're going to beat it. And if anybody can, we can. We're living a series of 24-hour lifetimes. The rest of the family began to enter into a grief cycle. As soon as they heard the news, they began to grieve. Now, they didn't realize it, but they did. What is the grief cycle or the grief process? Quite simply, it's a series of emotions that we go through in an effort to deal with a large loss. Now, that loss doesn't have to be a death. It happens with divorce. It happens with catastrophes, like a house burning down or or tornado that rips through your neighborhood That happened here in our community about six years ago. And like many other losses in life, most of us are not the same. We're still feeling that huge sense of loss. You know, we lived in an area or live in an area that hundreds of 150-year-old oaks and maples that shaded us from the hot summer sun are gone. Less than 10 seconds, they were gone. Where we used to look up and see A green canopy filled with birds singing and squirrels dancing around from limb to limb. Well, now there's just sky. When people that used to live here, especially kids who grew up in this neighborhood, come back to visit, the first thing they notice when they come around the corner is there's no more trees. And how foreign it feels and how weird it is. Those trees being gone created a huge loss in our environment. And I'm still not over it today. I still can't get over the fact that I look out the front window and I can see blue sky and not beautiful maples and oaks. So the grief process can be defined in five stages. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance. Let's take a look at those a little closer. Denial. Many times when bad things happen, we say, well, this must be just really a bad dream or this can't be happening. I'm going to wake up in a minute and this will all be over. Thank goodness. A buddy of mine restored vintage cars as a hobby. He started doing this when he and his wife were in their early 20s before kids came around. He had a a Model T. He had an old Oldsmobile that was from the 20s, I believe. It it had uh, a top on it that was, well, open, kind of like an old horse-pulled wagon. And it actually had fringe around the edges of the top. It really looked like, I guess, uh, one of the original horseless carriages. I guess that's probably because it was one of the original horseless carriages. Let's see, he had a Duesenberg. He had a Cord. He had other cars like a 32 Ford. He had a 32 Ford Hot Rod and, uh, you know, one of the old Deuce Coupes that you see on on the old movies. And, of course, he had uh, a 57 Chevy. You can't have a collection like that without having a 57 Chevy. Now that his, his family's all grown and gone, he thought he and his missus would begin to sell some of these off and that they would travel around the world in their retirement. One night not long ago, a few summers ago I guess it was now, there was a horrible electrical storm, the kind that the local TV stations break into regular programming and, and bring you live coverage. As fate would have it, lightning hit his barn and it didn't take long for this 125-year-old big old barn to go up in flames. These folks lived out in the country, so by the time the fire department got there, well, there wasn't much that they could do. Uh, The structure uh, was gone, its contents gone with it. As you can imagine, he and his family and his buddies were overwhelmed with grief. In fact, many of the friends had helped over the years to work on these pieces of automotive history His family and friends all began to grieve. They didn't know it, but they began this grief process. There were tears, real tears. This was a horrible tragedy. The first step in grieving a loss is usually denial. Nobody wanted to believe the news. Nobody wanted to accept the fact that this had happened. You know, it's got to be a mistake. Word gets around town, people are like, no, that... Wow, no, hope, no, that can't be. I recall when Matt came out of surgery, our son, and the surgeon told our family that they didn't get the news that they wanted and that, in fact, he had cancer on his brain. I remember thinking, what? How can that be? He's super healthy. He, he works out several times a week. He's an athlete. This can't be right. Let's wait for the pathology reports to get back. There's got to be something wrong with that visual diagnosis. I mean, he eats well, he doesn't smoke, he exercises. Just There's got to be a mistake somewhere. This cannot be right. The second step of grieving is anger. How could God let this happen? Or, I know I should have played closer attention. I, uh, we're angry at ourselves or someone else why can't they fix this? How come those lightning rods we put on top of that barn didn't work? How come the smoke detectors didn't go off? How come a tornado had to come on our house? That brings us to the third step of the grieving process or the third stage, bargaining. How many times have you heard people say, ah, it should have been me. Oh Lord, please don't take him or her. Take me. Or maybe if I change my ways, this will, this will get better and this problem will go away. The fourth step in this process is depression. This horrible loss has occurred and there is nothing you can do to change it. Nothing you can do to stop it. Nothing you can do to replace it. Nothing. And you feel lost. You feel saddened and you're depressed. This step in the process really took a hold of me, and it still has a grip on me to this day. The fifth and final step of grieving is the acceptance of the loss. Really just saying, okay, this is real. It's happening, or it happened. There's nothing I or anyone else, for that matter, can do to change it. So I need to learn how to live with this, whatever it is, and manage my life as best I can. That's not as hard as you might think to do. If you have allowed yourself to go through the steps of grieving, there's a huge peace that comes over us when we have run through the process, run through all of the stages, and get to the point that, okay, I can manage what I can manage, and I'm not going to worry about the rest. Worry and angst take a lot out of us. It can make us sick. Peace is a welcome relief from that worry. And peace can be had through acceptance. That is when you begin to take care and manage your life again. Okay, so how long do these steps last? Great question. There's no good answer. (laughs) Everyone grieves in their own way and in their own time frame. If I get stuck in one of these stages of this process, then I might want to talk to somebody about it. Figure out why I'm not moving on from this anger, from this depression, or from this denial. Look, if I can't help but be mad all the time, or I'm not willing to believe that this has really happened and I'm going to go about my business as if it hadn't, this is going to eat me up. If we stay in these individual stages too long, it's just not healthy and we need to talk to somebody about it. There's no shame in talking to somebody about it. Everyone grieves in their own way and in their own time. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. By the way, these five stages we talked about, sometimes they don't come in that order and there's no cookie cutter set timeline that applies to to everyone. You know, sadly, people who don't understand will say something like, well, they were just cars. You got a fat check from the insurance company. Get over it, eh? (laughs) Or it was just a house. Or it was just your dog. It was just a cat. It's just a horse. It could be replaced. So get over it. Or, hey, you know... You've been divorced now for over a year, going on two years, time to get over it and move on. He didn't deserve you anyway. You may be thinking, why is going through this silly grief cycle important to me? I'm tough. I'm not easily defeated. This sucks, but I can handle it. Well, (laughs) first, you don't have to handle this. Certainly don't have to handle this alone. Second, your body will handle it for you and can take care of it for you if you let it. And third, storing all this away just creates a ticking time bomb. People who store away their thoughts and feelings about loss are liable to live miserably, at least in part. They're not living the best life that they could because their minds want to reconcile this loss and are more than ready to do so. But for some reason. We put the brakes on and stop that process before it's even run its course. We bury it on a back shelf in our mind someplace and try to forget that it's there. One of the best services hospice has to offer is the counseling with licensed therapists. Most hospices have a person that specializes in grief management. That helps us navigate our feelings. It helps us during and after hospice care. Families are often left mourning and walking around in what I like to call the 25th hour fog. 25th hour? Mitch, there are only 24 hours in a day. Even Charlie the boss cat knows that. (laughs) Well, that's true. But when you go through something like this, you experience some mental and emotional and physical stress that just throws everything out of kilter. And to one extent or another, you just don't function like you normally would. I recall a few months after our son passed away, I thought I was doing pretty well. And I was working on some home projects. I went to a big box home improvement store. I know this store like the back of my hand. I can tell you where everything is and what it's used for. On this occasion, I was looking for some light switches that I needed and I was in the electrical department with all the cool electrical stuff and I couldn't find the switches. And when I did, I couldn't figure out how to get to the front of the store. Seriously, I was lost. I looked around. I had no idea where the front of the store was. And then I began to chuckle. It's like almost an out-of-body experience like I know that I know where I am. I know that I know how the store's laid out. But for the life of me, I could not figure out how to get out of the store. So I I spotted a guy I knew. He was one of the the department managers there. And I went over and engaged him. And we walked together to the front of the store. Weird? (laughs) Yep. Uncommon? Nope. Nope. 25th Hour Fog is a thing, and everyone experiences it from one extent to another. It's how we're wired. It's simple as that. We probably all know someone who has experienced a, a really big loss in their lives. Perhaps a, a parent or other family member, or maybe a close friend or coworker, has passed away, or maybe someone you're really close to has moved away to the other side of the world, and it's a huge loss. It's sad, and you don't want to talk about it. Simple as that. Loss is really hard to manage. I know several people that when they lose someone close to them, they can't even go to the memorial service, and they don't want to talk about it, and they don't want to talk about that loss, period. That's exactly what we're trying to avoid here. Bottling up all these feelings and denying them, you're stuck in that that one stage of grief. It's okay for a while, but after a while, and it really affects your health and your relationships, it's time to talk to somebody about that, whether it's the denial or the anger or the depression. I got stuck in the depression mode for way too long. I wasn't mad at God for taking my son, but I was depressed that he was gone. I was so sad. I would see someone who looked like him and it would remind me of my loss. Or I would hear something that he would say or meet a friend of his and it would remind me of my loss. I was so sad that I would never see him be a dad. He said the only thing he really regretted in passing away early is that he would never be a dad he would never be able to coach little league he would never be able to go trick-or-treating with his kids he wouldn't be able to go out and cut a christmas tree and decorate it and those feelings and those memories come flooding back to me and i got stuck in that fourth stage of grief so even to this day i have one foot in the fourth stage and one foot in the fifth stage. That's the stage of acceptance. Truth be known, it's not uncommon to have one foot in several stages of grief at the same time, or to go from one to the next, and then maybe to a different one. That happens to me. As we wrap things up, let me share a little story with you. When Matt was diagnosed that first day, all of the family and friends except for Matt and I, began to grieve. They didn't know it, but they began the grieving process. Matt and I carried the sword and and a shield and continued to fight. As I mentioned earlier, I asked him, what do you want to do, bud? And he said, let's fight this. And I said, okay, let's do that. As he was taking his last few breaths I grabbed his right hand, a hand that hadn't been able to move for weeks due to a stroke that he'd had. My wife whispered to him, Matt, if you see God, go to him. It's okay. Go. And it was at that exact moment that I realized that the earthly fight was over. And I said to Matt, pal, if you see God, run run to him. And Matt squeezed my hand, that hand that hadn't been able to move for weeks, and crossed over to glory. It took me years to get through those first few steps of of these stages of grief. And I really skipped step one. I wasn't angry with God. I wasn't in denial that what had happened, it happened. So I'd skip two also. I did ask God, why? And I asked God, why not me? I wasn't angry with him, but I was trying to bargain with him. Over the days and weeks and months to come, I was overwhelmed with a sense of loss. I was just sad. My firstborn, totally amazing, wonderful young man was gone. In the years since, I learned how to accept his not being here. He's far from forgotten and he lives in my heart and the hearts of our family and friends. But I still went through a rough patch of depression. I was stuck there. I was so sad for such a long time. Most of my friends and family had no idea how depressed I was. I finally got tired of being depressed and told our family doctor about it, who, by the way, lived through this whole thing with us. And I got some help. And I learned how to manage my feelings and move on to the acceptance phase, or certainly closer to the acceptance phase and a little further into the acceptance phase, with still a toe or two in the depression phase. Do I still have sad days? Yep, I do. I think about Matt often and what could have been. But with the love of family and friends, I've been able to manage these feelings. We all grieve and we all grieve in our own way. There's no right or wrong way and there's no timeline that fits all of us. If you don't take anything else away from this episode, remember this. It's okay to allow yourself to grieve. It's okay to have these feelings. It's okay to admit that you need help sometimes getting through this part of the journey. If you're dealing with feelings that you don't know how to handle, talk to somebody. There's no shame in that. If you and or your loved one is in hospice care, talk to your counselor, your therapist there. That's what they've been trained to do is to work with you on those feelings. Or maybe you want to talk to your minister or the hospice chaplain. If you aren't in hospice, or you're not the caregiver of someone in hospice, and you're dealing with a major loss, and you're stuck in one of these stages of grief, talk to your doctor, or call the National Mental Health Hotline at 1-800-969-6642. That's 1-800-969-6642. Explain your situation to the person that's on the other end of the phone they care. That's all the time we have today. We've covered a lot of ground, but it sure was good, wasn't it? We all grieve. We need to grieve our losses, the losses that that come into our lives so that we can live healthy and live the best life possible. As always, if you have any questions, any comments, or maybe even want to share a story with us, you can reach us at livingwithhospice at gmail.com. That's livingwithhospice, all one word, at gmail.com. As always, thanks for spending time with us here today. On behalf of the whole gang, until next time, this is Mitch Weir. Have a blessed day.